Music and Ideas, 91.3 KBCS, Bellevue, Seattle, Tacoma, a broadcast service of Bellevue College since 1973. Well, good afternoon. My name is Ian Hughes. Thank you so much for coming along with us. I am very pleased to welcome into the KBCS studio live Carl Christensen. Carl is a, well, he's a folk singer. Now, now hold on. As Jerry Garcia once told his band, yeah, but it's cool folk music. Carl's music is cool. It can be really funny. Uh, It can also be uncomfortable, sort of like wearing a musical hair shirt. And sometimes he hits the truth so hard it's a little scary. So we might trigger an existential crisis this afternoon, but you'll probably laugh while entering your own personal void. But before we get to that event horizon, I'm going to invite you to take a listen. This is Carl Christensen. It's very nice to be here. Thank you very much. Well, there just ain't money in music like there used to be. I'm sure you've heard it all before, how the internet's up and did the whole industry. So I adjusted my life plans to account for a little more domesticity. And I'm looking for a lover who's able to support me financially. Oh, I've often heard it said that the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Whoever coined that phrase must have never met a man with an empty wallet. Oh, I'd never need to worry about the lack of money that I'm making. If I can just find me a baby who's able to bring home the proverbial bacon. Oh, I've come to terms with it. I ain't gonna pay the bills with my singing. So I'm gonna don an apron and I'll spend my life gold digging Oh, I'm looking I'm looking for that money's kind of loving I'm the world's first country music trophy husband It's come a high time we dismantle that old patriarchy And I'm just doing my part when I stay home and keep this kitchen sparkling clean. Some folks say I'm lazy for wanting to stay every day at home. I say that's an awfully small-minded thing to be calling a feminist hero. Oh, I've come to terms with it. I ain't gonna pay the bills with my singing. So I'm gonna don an apron and I'll spend my life gold digging. Oh, I'm looking, I'm looking for that money's kind of loving. I'm the world's first country music trophy husband. Self-proclaimed alphas cry out in distress. 
They equate my income to my manliness. They work jobs they hate. I stay home and rest. They're playing checkers, baby. I'm playing chess. That song was called Trophy Husband. This song is called The Talkin' Paranoia Blues. So I was sitting in my kitchen like I do most nights. I was trying to make some sense of this song that I was writing, and then my roommate came in and he looked quite frightened. So I asked him, buddy, what's wrong? My roommate said, this might sound absurd, but I am certain that we are being observed. There are cameras on the stoplights, cameras on the cranes. They're being used by the police state. They're listening to all of our conversations. They're watching us while we're fornicating. God only knows how much information these pervs have access to. Well, I was a little concerned and I was a little confused, but fortunately, I knew just what to do. I busted out my pen and my faithful guitar, and I started to write the talking paranormal blues now you're probably at home and you're probably asking yourself talking paranoia blues I've never heard of such a thing what on earth is that well allow me to explain Talking blues are a sacred tradition. You rhyme a few times, then there's a transition to a section that's free of rhyme or form. That's how the talking blues are born. See? I can say anything that I need to right here. I mean, so long as I don't stray too far off topic. Which reminds me. I said, buddy, this answer is liable to annoy you, but I think what you're experiencing is called paranoia. Most everybody's felt paranoid when they're stoned. It's an uneasy feeling like you ain't quite alone. Just go lay down by morning, you'll feel fine. Just try and lay off the George Orwell in the meantime. But sometimes an idea you hear when you're high can get stuck way back in the recesses of your mind. Like a popcorn kernel or a raspberry seed that gets caught way back in the top of your teeth. And so this condition of Orwellian anxiety has begun to plague me, even in my sobriety. Is it really so outlandish to think that our society's under somebody's watchful view? What if Big Brother has been here all along? And Orwell just got a few details wrong. The government ain't the ones trying to monitor us. It's companies trying to sell us products, keep tabs on people, learn their wants and needs, slap targeted ads right in their news feeds. It's a disquieting notion, but if you know it's true, you got a case of the talking paranoia blues. Big brother, big brother, it's you and no one other. We couldn't get rid of you, even if we wanted to. We'll never get rid of you. It's pretty clear we love you. Think for a moment. Take a look around your home. How many devices do you reckon you own? Your car, your laptop, your TV remote? I'm hard-pressed to find things without microphones. They made a nice ad, and wouldn't you know, we welcomed Big Brother right into our home. We covered the cost. They asked our permission. We agreed to every single term and condition. If you're living at all, it wouldn't be hard to watch it. The data's all right there inside your front pocket. Your grocery list, who you're trying to date, your daily steps, even your heart rate. I mean, even most of these songs start out in the notes app of my iPhone. Whew. Maybe I ought to be a bit more careful. Otherwise, you might see a 
Apple-branded Carl Christensen knockoff artist running around. Not a lot of money in folk music, though, so I think we're safe. Big brother, big brother, it's you and no one other. We couldn't get rid of you, even if we wanted to. We'll never get rid of you. It's pretty clear we love you. So that's been my story of paranoid woe. I wish I had a happy ending for you here, but I don't. I just lay awake at night and I try and learn to cope with living inside of a Black Mirror episode. And I wonder if Orwell could have ever foreseen Big Brother being born out of corporate greed. I'm sorry that I rambled, but it's all that I can do. I got a terrible case of the talking paranoia blues. One three KBCS Roots Rock and Soul, uh, the wonderful Carl Christensen live here in the KBCS studio. Carl is going to be live at the Tractor Tavern this Friday night, uh, June thirtieth, and listening right there to the talking paranoia blues. Trophy husband uh, before that. Carl, uh, your, your crafter guitar needs to have uh, written upon it, you know, this machine kills fascists, or, or at least holds them at bay for another <laughs> for a few more moments. Yeah, for another, like, it. three, four weeks, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We can hope, can't we? <laughs> we can indeed. I love sort of the tension uh, in, the, in the way you, you write. You know, we, we live in this sort of divided world, and your music is sort of at odds you know with the world these sort of like industrialized parts these technological parts mm-hmm. uh the loss of privacy the loss of control uh, the loss of being able to sort of make a living as an artist or as a musician as these uh you know companies uh take over all of these different aspects yet there's this tension that we do accept it right on into our lives and you're talking about I love the line where you're like these these songs start on my iPhone <laughs> note app you know this interview started on my iPhone <laughs> note app so you know. yes and the the irony of me being like oh think about how many microphones you have in your house while there's a microphone like right in front of my face that irony was not lost on me I was very yeah um. <laughs> so what do you do with that like how do you how do you sort through it as in artist as a a folks you know folk music rock and roll music has long been sort of that that you know spitting into the wind a little bit this this like no we shall not go gently into that good corporation Uh, you know you you push back so what what, talk to us about that yeah i guess that i thank you that's a very good question i really appreciate that um but i guess that um I guess that I'm just trying to die, like digest and understand the world that we live in. Um, and I just kind of do that best through songwriting. And I do use songwriting as um, it's a therapeutic thing for sure. Cause it is like, I do think that if I can take these things that I find unsettling or upsetting about living in the modern era and I can make folks chuckle while just explaining them, then I'm doing my job well as a songwriter. I'm kind of dressing it up in funny clothes, if it as it were, um, and, you know, making it rhyme. And hopefully, uh, I think there's a lot of 
camaraderie that comes out of that sort of thing because yeah like people people talk to me about this a lot where they're like wow like I like what you talked about on the intro about like I've had people come up to me after sets and be like your songs give me existential crises <laughs> and I and I'm like I'm sorry but also thanks because that means I'm doing like that I didn't I didn't not want that to happen but I also to feel bad if you were you know having uh, any sort of anxious episode while my songs were happening but I do think there's a lot of camaraderie that comes out of that because it's like it's affirmation mm. that like oh like this isn't this isn't a thing that just I'm going through like that's a thing that this other random guy with a guitar is also felt enough the same way that he wrote a song about it made it rhyme and found chords um yeah I think that's kind of brilliant um way to look at it the the camaraderie you know and the and the anxiety that comes out of you know feeling that way whether it's a mini existential crisis or not or just a basic anxiety is is typically like that moment when you're like something's not right something's out of balance you know that's where that anxiety for at least in my thoughts is sort of being born from and you know you mentioned uh, Orwell a number of times <laughs> and when i think about 1984 one of the things that really you know, Big Brother gets lots of attention, all of these other things, but it's a novel of uh, extreme loneliness. You know, yeah. here's this main character's sort of looking for love and human connection, mm -hmm. and he's constantly thwarted by his lovers, by his friends, mm -hmm. by, you know, society at large, and he's ultimately just so alone like nobody will be his comrade no yeah. one will be his friend that's a really uh, yeah so I like that, that camaraderie i mean maybe that's the secret sauce here maybe that is a re i really like that um analyses of 1984 because like there is a lot of uh you know there's a lot of the talk about the big brother that does get a lot of right. attention but when you really boil down like the story it kind of is just boy looking for girl but it just happens in this dystopian world right. um and, and yeah it, and and it goes very badly yeah it goes yeah it does not go well it goes very very poorly i also feel badly if anyone's not read 1984 yet because they um you're kind of living in it it's yeah uh, <laughs> uh but yeah i do think that there is I, I i've dedicated a lot of thought and just been thinking about that idea of camaraderie recently and the idea of um really community and i do think that we we live in this increasingly seemingly connected world but i i can speak from experience that like the more time i spend on social media online quote connecting with people the more alone i feel and i do think that um say that again <laughs> the more time i spend online quote connecting with people the more alone i feel um <laughs> uh but uh i I do think that there, to combat that, there like the music community I've found here in mm -hmm. Seattle has been a really big part of that because it is like people and boots on the ground and like face to face interactions, and we all kind of want similar things out of our social life and our career and all of those things. We have like we are we are like minded in a lot of ways. And I do I kind of jokingly will you know be like oh hello comrade when i see someone at like an open mic or a show or something like that but it's 
it's it's a joke and it's funny because it's perhaps t- giving uh, an uh, overinflated sense of importance to just like being friends with someone. But I do sometimes really do see us like that, where it's like we are in this struggle together, be that, you know, just trying to feel less alone in a digital world, be that trying to like go out and make music and spread the music to the people or even just like hang out and have a good time with your friends like that is there is um we can be comrades in that, you know? The folkiest thing I think I have heard of, of recent uh, of, of recent times is the section in your song, Talking Paranoia Blues, where you kind of go into your bridge and, and, and you and you're literally sort of talking about what the song structure <laughs> is. Like yeah. you're, you're explaining <laughs> yes. what the talking paranoia blues is which is really funny and I think it's really clever and you know it and it's a little reminiscent and sort of a, a weird sort of meta way of like what Pete Seeger would do mm-hmm. if you ever listened to any of Pete's live stuff mm-hmm. where often he would just sort of break down the song that he was playing and teach it to the audience and sort of fo- you know force that back and forth mm-hmm. between himself and the audience and get them to sing it and teach them the words etc there there it feels a little bit like that where you are I don't know if you've thought about this in, in the sense of do people not know what the talking blues structure is? Mm-hmm. Is that something in your mind? And are you either, I don't, I don't know, are, are you hoping to put that structure back out into the world, which is super accessible and super fun and super poignant? Yeah. I don't know where my question is here, but I, it's I think, about that. I think I know <laughs> roughly where your question is. And I I will be I'll start my answer by being totally forthright and I completely stole the idea of explaining the talking blues within the talking blues from Todd Snyder. Complete credit to Todd Snyder. Oh, well, talking reality television yes, okay. blues. Yes, Todd is uh, great. Yeah, he's fantastic. So I don't want to claim too much credit. Um but I do think there is something really it kind of demystifies the whole thing where you, especially in something as kind of simple as a really basic like three chord song, you can, if you can explain it and be like, listen, this is, this is what I'm doing. This isn't magic. This isn't witchcraft. This is just, here's, here's the structure. Here's how you can do it at home. Um, I, I do think there is something to like um, that makes it more accessible. And I have, again, I've had played that song out. Uh, you know, I've been playing this song out at open mics and shows for like north of a year at this point. And I've had people been like, oh, like I, this other artist has this song that's like, you know, talking whatever blues. Um, and I didn't, I thought that was just the name of the song. I didn't realize that that was like a song structure that has existed. And um, and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, there are a lot of different talking blueses. Bob Dylan has some talking blueses. Yeah. Um, Woody Guthrie, yeah. Woody Guthrie. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Utah Phillips. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it, the list goes on and on. There's like a long and storied, uh, history of, uh, folk singers using that like really pretty basic structure. Cause like you can do a lot with it, but like when you really boil it down, it's like, there's a section where you rhyme and a section where you don't, and <laughs> then you can communicate whatever you need to within those parameters um yeah and i do 
I, there's a couple of different songs like that, uh, even outside of the talking blues that kind of like break that fourth wall. Like there's a car seat headrest song where he says, uh, is it the chorus yet? No, this is just a building of the verse. So that way when the chorus comes, it will be more rewarding. And then when the chorus comes, it is indeed more rewarding. And I just love that breaking the fourth wall and just kind of explaining what's going on so that, um, I don't know. I, it also forces people to kind of pay attention to the structure of it, which I think is a thing that a lot of people don't necessarily um, digest on the, their first listen. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, there's kind of a through line uh, through your own art uh, with this idea. You had a project, and I, I don't know if you're still doing it, called Keep the Change. Oh, wow. You did your research. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Tell everyone what Keep the Change is. Yeah. And then as a follow-up, are you crazy? <laughs> um yes uh is the easiest answer to the second question keep the change at this point is an unfortunately abandoned project um because so for the uninitiated um in 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 the the very early 2020 before everything went crazy i had this idea of i uh had just graduated college i got my music composition degree and I had this idea of a song that was as, like, the, the writing credits, if you will, would be uh, 50-50 between myself and the audience, whoever the audience happened to be. And I went through a number of different kind of um, experimental composition pieces where, like, people would come up on the stage and, like, just mess with radios on stage while an ensemble was playing. Um or, you know, there was there was a number of different things uh, in that vein of like, someone from the audience would come on stage and make noise with the band. But that didn't quite feel like a 50-50 split ever. It felt like there was music happening and then someone, so one person from the audience would come up and make white noise with the ensemble. And so I had this idea for a concept project called Keep the Change. And I wrote a song that the the theme for the song the topic of the song was crowdsourced and then once the song was written the idea was every like we recorded the song we released the song and then the idea was that people would comment what they wanted to have changed about the song and then there would be you know periods of voting where suggestions for changes to the song would happen um and then we would re, you know, re-record the song with a new version. And then we'd do that once a month for a year. And then whatever we got at the end of the year was like the finished product of whatever Keep the Change was. Um, the first draft of this was released in February of 2020. Um, and I don't know if you remember what happened like immediately <laughs> after that. But yeah, the, um, that, that maybe one day we will dust that off and have some sort of um, Keep the Change 2.0. But it was... Um, it, it, at this point it is currently an abandoned project just because it, I was working with like a 17 piece uh, orchest orchestral ensemble and stuff and assembling that in the pandemic was just an absolute no-go so well I, I think it is so brilliant and it sort of you know spits in the face of sort of corporate in industrial music uh you know commodified music like it's just it's really kind of a wonderful you know poke in the eye 
to the whole structure. And uh, I applaud it. And uh, if it does get off the ground, uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to hear about it. Thank you. I so appreciate that. And <laughs> yeah, and wow, I you clearly did your research for this because that's the that's the first I'd even thought of keep the change in years at this point. But I feel like we've come full circle to the talking paranoid blues here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know about me oh my gosh <laughs> if you're just tuning in uh, we're talking to carl christensen uh, he writes these wonderful songs and you can hear them live at the tractor this friday night uh the 30th of june a great way to close out june i would say and uh, carl can we uh can we hear another song yeah absolutely um cool uh so I played drums in a gospel band for a couple of years, and I realized that there's a lot of gospel songs about God and Jesus, and that's all well and good. God and Jesus need their gospel songs. Uh, but I realized that there was no gospel songs about minimalism, so I figured there was a completely untapped market. I had uh, the industry totally cornered, so I wrote the world's first uh, minimalist gospel song, and it goes like this. It's called I Will Learn to Live With Less. I will learn to live with less I will learn to live with less For the chances of survival Which are everybody's best I will learn to live with less I miss that feeling like things might someday land back on their feet Like if we cry out for long enough Things might improve eventually I think back on that feeling And think, oh honey, how naive We both know that ain't how things are going to I will learn to live with less I will learn to live with less For the chances of survival Which are everybody's best I will learn to live with less Now every time I take a glance back through history I see all the million mistakes we seem doomed to repeat cause they update their slogans or screw it recycle an old one we fall for it so consistently I will learn to live with less I will learn to live with less Because any good drug dealer Will convince you they're your friend I will learn to Ask any world leader from the past 500 years. 
nothing unites a people like instilling them with fear so the buzzwords might change but the story always stays the same this has all happened before this will all happen again I will learn to live with less I will learn to live with less We are drowning in our own opulence So I really think it's best If I learn to live with Learn to live with Learn to KBCS. Hallelujah. It's Carl Christensen. He's going to be live at the Tractor Tavern this Friday night playing some wonderful songs for all of us. Carl, uh, listening to uh, Learn to Live with Less, it kind of, it, it, you, you have a song called uh, 100 Miles uh, Per Hour, uh, which you can't play because of a whole bunch of George Carlin words. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> sprinkle throughout it. Uh, but you have this really amazing line that says, uh, stop speaking in cliches. I'd like to speak to the person not the artist. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really profound sort of statement on art and the posturing that can, we've, we've been poking at corporations and uh, greed mm -hmm. and all sorts of things all, all day. Uh, but I guess we can poke at the artist as well and the posturing. And so when I hear a song like learn to live with less, uh, which, uh, you know, is, is sort of, is sort of the manifestation of that very idea of like, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm listening to the person not the artist. And I think there's something really beautiful there. Can you talk about that? Thank you. Um, wow, that's a heavy question, bud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, okay, I guess um, the as I've gotten better at songwriting, I do feel as though I am able to be more honest through my songwriting is, I guess, the best way I can answer that, um, where I... Um, I, I one of the, the something that John Craigie said that has really stuck with me is that like the folk singer's first job is to be humble, um, and everything after that is sort of superfluous. And I do think that with songs like that or Learn to Live, where it's I, I um, I, when you really boil it down, I I personally don't need all that much. Like I need a roof over my head and I need food, but outside of that, like. I, I don't yeah there's a lot of things that people and corporations or whatever are trying to convince me that I need but like I when you really boil it down I don't need all that much I do think that um trying to uh remove some of those layers has been beneficial to my mental health and beneficial to like my personal health I suppose um yeah <laughs> um again you did your research it's been a long time since someone's brought up 100 miles an hour <laughs> i also i wish that i so 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 wish that i when the, the line about oh, i wish i could speak to the person not the artist yeah. i wish i could take credit for that but that's something that someone said to me that i was like oh man that sounds that that sounds really cool i'll put that in a song <laughs> I, I, you know i mean that's that's the process right? it is it's yeah like sometimes pie process of gathering yeah. and taking and leaving what behind 
love and theft you know mm-hmm. it's totally uh, there it is yeah 100% Carl Christensen uh, we are going to leave it with a caught leader mm-hmm. you can catch Carl live at the tractor this Friday night this has been an extreme pleasure uh, you are welcome back anytime thank you so much for sharing your songs and your stories with us it's been wonderful thank you so much for having me it's been great do you have a favorite cult? A favorite cult? Yeah. Um, oh man, that is so. That's a that's a weird question because it's like um, my the cults that I I would call my my favorite are often the ones that have done the, like the most deplorable things. They're not my favorite because I think they do good. They're my favorite because or, I, again I hesitate to use the word favorite, but the ones that I've like become the most fascinated with. Don't don't let my poorly worded question. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you yeah, can, you can change uh, your adjective there. Yeah, because like my favorite cults are the ones where everyone is there of their own fruition. They. They are not hurting anyone. They are they are just like peaceful, fun-loving hippies who live in the woods, and that's their thing. Um, but those don't like those aren't very interesting to like do research about. Um, there are a couple. There was this one Chilean cult that I can't remember the name of, but they they're like they built a, a free hospital on their uh, um, Encampment isn't the right word. They're, um, oh, what's, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Their compound. There we go. They built a hospital on their compound that employed like actual certified doctors and they gave um, free care to these like very impoverished Chilean, um, you know, farmers and stuff, which like the actual Chilean government was not doing that. And so they effectively just provided free health care to people who needed it. And which on paper, very cool on board with love it. But then, you know, one out of every 20 people who went into this hospital just like became a part of the cult. It was it's it, yeah. And so it's like it's right. Like it's not my favorite. Like that's not good. Like that's not a good thing. But it's like, wow, you figured out a system that really worked for you here and that's a um i get kind of fascinated by stuff like that again favorite implies that i think this is a good thing i don't i think that's a bad thing to be doing is to like be using free healthcare as a way of baiting people into your cult um but you know it's it's fascinating i yeah i uh I wrote Cult Leader because I got a little bit obsessed with cults. And I think a lot of people kind of have that obsession. There's a lot of cult media out there that people get very into. And once you boil it down and like if you dedicated a long weekend just watching cult documentaries, you pretty much have like the how-to guide like right there, right? Um, and so that's what <laughs> that's what inspired me to write a country western song about starting a cult. <laughs> Carl Christensen, definitely avoiding being baited into my favoritism (laughs) question. You can catch him Friday night at the Tractor Tavern. Carl, thank you so much. Thank you, Ian. (laughs) Well, I rolled out of bed and I checked my phone. It was the weekly end of the world. And so I called my friend with several acres of land, said, let's start a cult, my man.
quite well known for your charismaticness And our organization could be quite amazing What's the worst that could come of this? So I put some ads up on some websites Are you searching for a deeper purpose in life? If every single day just feels so mundane I can make all of that change Yeah, we grow our own food out in the garden We host group yoga every morning So just take the night to open your third eye And we think you'll fit in just fine You're gonna need to prove We need loyalty of the highest degree Speaking strictly financially Yeah, but don't it sound great to live for your hate Just come with us, your happiness awaits Just join our tribe, we promise you'll thrive We think you'll find it's well worth the fight We've been growing our numbers for six months so, and then I got a call on the telephone And I could not believe who was speaking to me It was the U.S. military They said, sir, we've been watching you We are quite impressed Your people sign away their lives without a second guess If you care to share any tips of the trade Name your price, it'll get paid I said, it's not complex I'm sure you'll agree Nobody's problems in life are really all that you need So today you can make the problems go away Yeah, make it sound like you can fix their lives And all you need are their initials on the dotted line Just give them something to believe A purpose or cause they can follow blindly And when you're starting a cult, confusion is your friend That might sound evil, it's just a means to an end So play your cards close to the table And you might end up with a thriving Close to the table and you might end up with a thrive.